This is Why Change, the podcast for a creative generation. We are your hosts. I'm Jeff. Hola, hola. Soy Carla. It's Rachel here. What's good, y'all? I'm Ashraf. And I'm Madeline. Why Change is a podcast that brings listeners around the globe to learn how arts, culture, and creativity, especially as applied by young people, can change the world, one community at a time. You're invited each week to learn and laugh while exploring the question, why change? All right, let's get started. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Why Change podcast. My name is Jeff M. Poulin, and I'm one of your co-hosts. I'm joined today by Ashraf Hasham. Hey, Ashraf, what's going on? Hello, Jeff. Um, you know, happy days. It's really sunny and gorgeous in Seattle. It's like the hottest it's been in 40 years. So, you know, climate change, but it's all good. I love that. It is good to hear your voice. I feel like we've seen so much of each other or talked to each other so much on the podcast the last couple of weeks. Um, and I'm thrilled to be back with you here today to wrap up the second part of our two-part episode with Distant Cousins. Um, can you just give us a really quick synopsis of part one for those who may have missed it? Yeah, so part one, uh, Distant Cousins talked about what they do, which is creating music and doing it in a way that's uh, collective. There's three cousins in this uh, in this band, and they are they sort of complete each other's sentences in a really beautiful way. They started on the road um, and created this amazing Cousins in the Classroom program, which is essentially um, songwriting with a mission. And I say mission in the sense that they say mission, which is uh, small creative prompts, little creative briefs to fill out. Um, and within an hour, you have a whole classroom of students or uh, even intergenerational folks. We'll hear about that a little bit today, creating an original song that's often feel good, it's often hopeful, and it's at, at least authentic to, um, to the communities that are creating that music. We also talked a little bit about how they sort of create that trust and balance within each other, those collaborative relationships. They talked a little bit about their faith and how that seeps into their music, which we'll talk about a little bit more today. And then of course, um, the doing it yourself, they do not need any more gatekeepers. This band, they are, have been creative and successful, and they're continuing to do so on their own terms. Um, and and they're then more connected ever than before. So, yeah. Is that, did I miss anything? No, I think that's fantastic. I'm so excited to hear part two. I hope all of our listeners are as well. We would just like to note that this recording occurred on Friday, May 14th. Um, and given the complex conflict in the Middle East, uh, we wish to underscore the message of the discussion that music and creating music together can be a powerful tool to bring people together, to increase understanding, and to heal wounds. So with that, let's get to part two. All right, see you afterwards. Okay, so um, one last big question, which is the fact that y'all are kind of a big deal in the Jewish rock community. Um, tell me about your, your connection between your faith and the social justice angle of the music you work with with students. And maybe it doesn't show up sort of in the mainstream, maybe it shows up only in some certain spaces, but yeah, let's explore that piece together. Well, um, the Jewish sort of music scene is, uh, is where we all met. Um, I always feel nervous about calling it the Jewish music scene. And we can call it something else, you know? <laughs> no, it's fine. You can call it. I love it when you call it. But we met on a scene. I grew up in Israel um, and from a very young age was in a band that 
is popular in the Jewish world. Semitic, Semitic musical. The Jewish world. And um, we met sort of on that circuit uh, playing in that scene um, in different bands. That's how we originally met. And it definitely is a, a core audience that we feel connected to and grateful for. It's, you know, it's, again, it's kind of our family um, and it's cool. It's got a lot of, it's got a lot of cool music in it that branches out to more popular things and to less of all of the flavors and all the different colors that are um, the Jewish world, which I think would be surprising to a lot of people. It's a small community, but it's got a lot of different flavors to it. Um, and, you know, like a lot of uh, popular bands in the States come out of college towns, I, you know, I've noticed. Um, so it's similar to that. It's like a lot of times when you're young, you have a scene and out of that comes a lot of creative ideas. So um, that's sort of that that world. And um, in terms of social justice and all of this stuff, you know, to me, again, uh, uh, to me, it's all about uh, it's 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 about communication. It's about honesty and listening. And really, to me, that's what music is about. That's what creativity is about. And that's what life is about. It's those sort of those three pillars. You know, you're trying to listen to everything that's happening around you. You're trying to communicate what's inside of you. And hopefully you're doing as much of that in an honest way. Um, and, and to me, that's what it's all really about. So if you're feeling you know, Jewish, if you're feeling social justice, if you're feeling like reaching out, if you're feeling like you need to go in, whatever that is, trying to do that honestly and as best you can is what we, I think what we do. We, so in a certain way, we don't think, we'll overthink that. We, we do our job as best we can. And then whatever we uh, sort of, uh, what, you know, manifest and and bring into our world, we try to do our best at uh, whatever that is. Yeah. One thing I've always loved about about our music and what it's done for people is you can look out into, into our audience, and even if it's above one community, it's a thousand different opinions. But the love for the music itself and the connection to us really can transcend all of that. And you can have a bunch of people who, in a different context, might have passionate views about all sorts of things. But when they're you know, and it's been a while since we've actually seen them in person face to face, and we're looking forward to that returning. But when they're there together, listening to our music and enjoying it, and sharing that, you know, positive uh, connection with us, that transcends any other differences and any other things that may, in other contexts, you know, be sources of tension or issues or whatever it may be. But the uniting elements of music has been some of the most inspiring things for me and for us as a band to be able to bring all sorts of people together, whether it's through the stage or through the workshop. You know, one of the things we also set out to do is to start, we work with groups um, and we've done these songwriting workshops with groups who in a social context might not have anything to do with each other or a political context might not have anything to do with each other, but bringing them together to collaborate in, in song can really like reinforce the common humanity between everybody. And I think that is what specifically music, art in general, but music in particular, it's such a universal language it's so instantly meaningful for people and it's undeniable that when you're creating something together you are transcending those differences and you know i totally second that I, when you know not only that as you're talking to me i'm realizing that really spirituality you know judaism that's what it's meant to do which you know again like mm -hmm. religion becomes kind of a complicated word 
unfortunately what it ends up doing often is dividing people but really the whole idea behind it is it's a unifying idea it's about it's about how we all are one and it's about how you know all these things that are supposed to be unifying so in the end of the day when you get deep it all ends up being sort of similar and and about unifying hence our banding distant cousins we're all cousins yeah the only i mean i love what my cousins said the only thing i would add also is like on i think for me on a on a personal level um you know i guess it's a it's a very jewish idea that the gifts that you're given to to use for others right like for those around you so that's kind of what david's saying also is like about communicating like that's a big part of the music making it and but you know there's this kind of temptation to first of all to think that the gifts that you have are just your own talent and you're incredible and and seeing it in a bigger context and realizing that it's you know it's a god it's a god-given gift and that there's a reason for it and that there's good that you can do with it i think that's again that's not something that we think about when we sit down the three of us to collaborate and make music and to work on things it's not a conscious thing but that's just an underlying current of just what we're doing is there's there's a real reason for it on a deep level yeah one more point about it that i think is interesting because i heard this point recently from uh from somebody was we tend to as a, as a culture trivialize entertainment i mean it's held in high regard but we look at it as oh it's escapism it's getting away from the real stuff just for a minute and I never really liked that attitude. To me, it's such a high level entertainment. What does it really mean? It's what I'm saying before is it's transcending maybe differences for a common purpose. And the art itself reflects certain ideas that are internal to everybody. And we're externalizing them into the world and putting them out there into tangible form um, to allow people to connect to things that really unite them. Um, and I think that is the purpose of, of, uh, of any kind of form of entertainment, music, film, whatever you are, you are taking what's abstract, what's internal, you're putting it out into the world to represent, you know, real universal truths that unite people. And I think that's the, like, at the deepest level, what, what any art is doing, and especially with music, you're, you're transcending language barriers, you're transcending cultural barriers, you're fusing things together and bringing people together. And, uh, all under the umbrella of entertainment, which I actually hold as a very, very uh, high level of existing, <laughs> being entertained. That's so real. Oh my gosh, what a what an, what a fascinating idea, and so real too. I mean, I think you're right that the entertainment sort of moniker just adds a little bit of trashy sort of vibes. But that's actually, like you said, art imitates life, and life, you know, it imitates art in the same way, right? Like we go back um, because we need to figure out a way to convey some of the things we're feeling. Like you said earlier about doing it honestly. Like if you're trusting the vulnerability, if you're feeling this way, there's somebody else, multiple people, communities thousands of people feeling the same way and maybe it's just for a moment in time maybe it's longer maybe it's a, a lasting situation but in any, in any case there's an elements of that that is like you said universal yep and i think culture moves moves uh socially has much more impact than the vice versa coming from the top down the cultural and social changes first have, have make so much more of an impact so i agree with it movements right movements are built around art and art is used as a movement building tool a field building tool and and uniting like you said too and in that same way i mean um one of the videos i watched in preparing for this interview was the uh video y'all made around that song pangea mm -hmm. which of course like shout out to the young people who helped create that song it is also a banger a feel-good modern banger but um 
that brought together Muslim students and Jewish students. I'm Muslim, y'all are Jewish. This is a whole thing we're doing right now. Like, um, let's let's talk about how that went. Like, um, give me another example if you have others of like bringing folks together and 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 doing some of this sort of uh, unifying work. A little more explicit, I guess. Uh, and it doesn't have to be explicit, but that certainly was, and I and I was moved by it. Yeah. Um, well, Dove, you can hop in whenever you want. I feel like you would have good, some good stuff to say about this as well. Um, I feel the same about you. Go for it. <laughs> yeah. So Pangea was a beautiful experience. Shout out to my, uh, actually, my son's in that in one of the schools, uh, Pressman Academy. Right on. Um, he's young, but younger than the kids in the video. And they meet with a uh, mus Muslim, a, a Muslim school from here in LA called Isla Academy. Shout out Isla Academy. Um, and they meet, the, the program, you know, they've developed this program over uh, of years where they meet up um, and connect in some way. And then, you know, they, uh, Pressman heard about what we were doing and, you know, thought it would be a great idea to do a song together, which we were overjoyed about. And um, it was a really beautiful process. And we ended up playing the song before a Clippers game at uh, Staples Center um with the kids and all of us it was really exciting um and just beautiful and again it, it's a testament to everything we're saying here it's it's such a unifying thing we also have written with a lot of um like ami was saying earlier a lot of groups that might not have an easy time connecting but he, it, it, in this creative process is a really beautiful thing we've recently worked with uh a arab and jewish uh choir from Israel, uh, Palestinian Israeli choir, women's choir called Reina Choir. They should be releasing the song in the video it's soon. <laughs> uh, it's a banger. <laughs> that, and uh, we've done a bunch of it and we really would love to do more of it. We really think that it's a process that um, really helps connect people and it doesn't matter where you're from and where you're walking into it. It's sort of like a this fun uh, exercise where you can really share deep ideas and also write a fun banger, as you keep saying, uh, and come out with this great, uh, great product in, in a very quick time, but a very deep and meaningful time. So we would love to, we've thought about all the possibilities, you know, of working with, uh, you know, uh, possibly inmates in prisons. We think it would be wonderful. We've written with the US Army. So we really can see this, you know, in going more even beyond us, we feel like we've set up sort of a model that could almost work for anyone. So we're really excited to see where this ends up going. The hardest group would be Republicans and Democrats. Well, we do that in oh, our own true. band. So we don't even <laughs> <about that>. <laughs> 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 We'll leave you to guess who's who. <laughs> quite frankly, quite frankly, it's a fantastic band. Oh, no. uh -oh. Wouldn't that uh -oh. be great? Trump supporters and and uh, and Bernie. You don't even know who anyone else is. Look at you. You like and, uh, any totally, totally. We would love to. Would, really, it's meaningful. It comes out. It's almost special in its own way. You know, because some of the a lot of the time we're writing with groups of people who are you know from the same company or organization, which is. Also amazing how much depth of sharing you can do very quickly, even in that situation. But when you're bringing one or, you know, a few different groups together, 
the I, sometimes the music feels like meaningful in a whole. Yeah. Lot I think more. also for kids in particular, just about that that group that really was a special one. The the kids from Pressman and from Isla Academy, and it was so the the culmination of it going to the Staples Center. First of all, for us as a band, you know, you always want to play there. And it's like you didn't think that that's how you were going to be there, mm. which is really just fun, but. It was really meaningful because we get to witness it all, but for them to see it for themselves and to express it, we actually brought a, a good friend of ours along to to film it all, and he was interviewing the kids. He's like, how do you feel? You're going into the Staples Center to sing this song. Tell us about it. And there was this one girl who, you know, I mean, I won't do as good of a job expressing it the way she did, but she really mm -hmm. got, she's like, it was so fun to see because we don't learn about each other's cultures. We don't learn about each other's religions. And it was so fun to see that we can just make a song together. Like it's, it's such a simple thing, but you know, it's cool to see that it got through to them. It's not just us kind of orchestrating this event and you know, the fact that it gets through to them and they see like the commonalities and mm. in the creation process. And then also every kid right before we went on stage was a little nervous. It doesn't matter <laughs> your religion. It doesn't matter your culture. We all feel those same things. And so it was just fun to and and the you know excitement that they all felt when they finished it, you know, hearing everybody clap and cheer for them. It was just, it was really meaningful. It was really great. Yeah, I love what you just said though. Like the idea of <laughs> oh, we wrote a song together, like having that common work mm -hmm. or creativity together. You know, there's a very there's this famous Jewish proverb that I think about a lot and never makes any hasn't ever made a lot of sense to me, and it's. Uh, make for yourself a rabbi or so make for yourself a uh a uh, what would be teacher? a better word for rabbi yeah find teacher. yourself a teacher and find yourself a teacher and buy yourself a friend which always felt very weird to me right it's like buy yourself a friend what does that mean it feels really not good well technically right? acquire connect doesn't always have to be with acquire money but okay well, what I've realized lately, and I actually, I me and Dove, we had this conversation of, like a couple of days ago, is we were talking about how, you know, our friends, like two of my best friends are Ami and Dove, and we work together. And I was thinking most of my friends are friends I work with. And, I, and we were thinking, oh, we have this, this common creative goal together. We have sort of this creative baby we take care of together. And that makes us very close, you know? So I think like what you're saying about, oh, we created a song together. It's something very powerful. It's like, oh, look at this thing we've created together. And it actually has the power to bring people together and closer. And you're now economically tied to it too, right? Like in terms of the, the sort of like fiscal element, the buying element, like you're not buying your friends by any means, but actually you're making money with them. You're actually making your living with them. You're actually making um, not only creativity, but also you're able to live in the world a little bit more comfortably yeah exactly i love what you're saying it's 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 you're making a yeah. living it's so to me that's way more oh, than yeah. money you're making a life together i thought the proverb meant only fans account start <laughs> cut buy yourself a friend <laughs> um, anyway. all right we're getting close to time so let's do this a uh, little quick round of a lightning round so um so we'll go in this order and dove you're gonna go first everybody ready yeah. Let's do this. Okay, so everybody, as we get to know folks from around the world and the work they do, we seek to understand what keeps them going and with their work. So Dove, 
Um, who inspires you? Who inspires me? Let's see. Um, I mean, as a general thing, I would just say, you know, in the conversation that we've been having, like people who are kind of being true to who they are and doing doing their thing. And, and uh, I always am inspired by when people do that and it's good for others around them. So like, you know, just off the top of my head, uh, Rachel Platten, she's a friend who I grew up with like in New York. She's become really big now in the pop world. But um, ever since I've known her, she does this thing for musicians on call. And like she visits uh, patients at hospitals and plays music for them. And just people like that who are just using their talents for good for others. That's inspiring to me. Duvid, how about you? Who inspires me? Um, I, well, a very similar thing, but people who are making a mm. living. Um, at, you know, and I, I'm thinking the word living is very close to loving. Um, people who are making a living at what they love is always incredibly inspiring to me. Love that. Ami, how about you? I'm inspired by other creatives out there who are, who I can tell are just putting in the work. You know, as I've been doing this for a long time, I've really come to let go of that notion that Dove spoke about earlier that, you know, you just kind of make it or you don't make it and you get bestowed this gift of making it. And it, that 10 years to an overnight success thing rings truer and truer every time. And the different ways we assess other artists or, you know, people in the industry and where they're at, no matter what level I'm perceiving something, somebody to be at, I know that from their perspective, they're just grinding and putting the work and uh, doing what needs to get done to get that creative output out there. So um, I happen to love artists who do a lot of different things um, in, in music and comedy and all these other things, you know, specifically like Reggie Watts or mm. Donald Glover, these kind of multifaceted people I'm always I'm, I get inspired by. But in general, anybody I, I see out there that's really putting in the work and I can tell and I see that success as a product of the hard work is very inspiring to me. The hustle, the grind. I love yeah. it. That's so real. Dove, what keeps you motivated? necessity and family yeah. uh just yeah straight straight up i mean like we said we're we're dads uh mm. i'm actually about to have my fourth child like any minute um my wife and yeah i mean when you when you see your kids first of all you got to feed them so mm -hmm. yeah and uh and also just keeping this idea of my, i'm lucky enough to also have like parents that i was inspired by where they were you know really kind of following their own passion and making a living from it and turning that into their career so you know I, I hope that 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 motivates me that my children will will see the same thing in what i'm doing or trying to do <laughs> beautiful duvid um sheer terror <laughs> um which by the way probably is a pretty honest <laughs> answer but um i in a more positive note i would say that just the the possibility of being able to get a little better at what you do um you know like ami mentioned that i try to practice on a sort of regular basis at least uh at least for a little bit each day and i feel like the biggest thing that gives me is, is the awareness of how much there is to mm -hmm. keep learning and and fear of complacency is something i certainly have <laughs> i don't want to stay in one place ever how about you ami I think getting to do what you love for a living is a real blessing and I don't take it for granted and it takes the hard work that I'm talking about, but I think that keeps me motivated because 
Um, you know, I come from a community where culturally there's only certain options presented to you as career acceptable paths mm -hmm. and music arts, that kind of stuff for many, many years that I grew up with, wasn't really one of them, um, as a, as a viable option. So getting oh, yeah. to be able to pursue that and make it work is what keeps me motivated. Cause that's like, it's like any musician or artist or whatever is going to do what they is going to do that no matter what. So the goal is to be able to support yourself so that you can do it, be loving the process, loving what you do and, uh, you know, seeking out success in order to keep doing it is, is, uh, is keeps me motivated. That's beautiful. We'll finish off with why change Dove? Why change? Um, I think to, to grow, to challenge yourself, to grow. Uh, that's, that's my right off the bat. I'm thinking of, uh, lots of things that I feel like I'm in the middle of that are, uh, just to push yourself to grow. How about you, Dubin? Um, everything changes. And if you want to be, you know, even have a chance at keeping up and not falling behind, you have to, uh, stay open, keep listening, keep growing. Amen. Ami. You get the illusion that you know yourself as well as you think you do, but you really don't. Um, and just like everyone else is learning about you as you grow with time, you're learning about yourself. And if you're not open to new experiences or new ways of doing things or trying to take a bird's eye view of your situation the best you can, uh, you're never, you, you will eventually become stagnant, not mm -hmm. growing. You know, we grow into certain comfort zones and routines um, and the familiarity of them makes us seem like they're optimal, but at the same time, it might not be the best course in a particular situation as time goes on. David said everything changes. So if you're not changing too, to make sure you're adapting, you know, if we had insisted on tr that our workshop could only be a live in person thing, we wouldn't have had the kind of year and a half that we've had and seen the beautiful growth that we've had. So we adapted it and challenged ourselves given the changing environment around us that we can't control. We look to what we can control, adapted it and I have to say the workshop and it being virtual at this point through this pandemic has become stronger and more resilient and vibrant and dynamic than we could have ever imagined. Um, and that all is because we had a mindset of being able to change and adapt. Amazing. Well, thank you all so much for your time today. I know we're right at time and Dove, you have a workshop to attend to, but thank, thank you, you so Asha. much for joining. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you, Ashraf. This was yes. really fun. Wow, Ashraf, these guys are really amazing. I, you know, as a point of personal privilege, I've worked with them for about a year. Um, I actually met them through a really good friend of mine um, from college. Her name's Kayla Masnick. She works at Secret Road Records in Los Angeles with these guys. And, you know, she had originally pointed out to me that they're not only musicians, but they're educators and they're making a real impact in the world. And I feel like we heard about that. And, you yourself have actually done similar work, working with young people to create really amazing um, experiences through the arts, both in your previous roles and now in your current role. What stood out to you most about some of the work that they do? Yeah, I think, you know, they bring such authentic confidence and like, we're musicians, we do this for a living, this is what we do, and make it accessible right like they make you think 
or they allow you to see yourself as themselves, right? They, they put themselves in your shoes. And they allow you to, to visit their shoes as well. Um, and the fact that they make it so easy to come up with a sound, sorry, a song that can be so glorious uh, and well-produced in an hour is like, what a magic trick what a parlor trick that is because um i guarantee you it took more than an hour of prep to make that full hour of <laughs> content happen in that classroom it's yeah it's 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 quite wild to see people who are rock stars not be um not be mean or a-holes <laughs> you know these guys are just really like just the sweetest boys Absolutely. I agree with that. And, you know, so much of that transcends in, in their generosity, right? Yes. The idea that you're right, there's way more than one hour that goes into this, but they continue to work with these young musicians that they're coaching or, or mentoring through the program and fully produce not only the song, but a video that goes with it. And they stick with these young people and these schools um, through the full process and, and the giving of those gifts of you know the technical music production side of it and um, adding in the additional instrumentation to really bring that kind of nugget of brilliance that that song and that message that was created in that hour to life i mean truly to be something that could be played on the radio might as well be magic of that high high quality um yeah. is really important and it, and it speaks i know both you and i have been involved with um the movement to really um for the field to self-define creative youth development and mm -hmm. some of that. And, and part of those um, principles, it actually comes from a report, we'll, we can drop it in the show notes for those who wanna read it, um, but that was called Something to Say that was published by the Wallace Foundation, talks about these 10 success principles of creative youth development programs. And I feel like the work that Distant Cousins does with these young musicians really adheres to that around, you know, having live audiences and creating a culture of high expectations and producing real art with real technology that artists use. There's so much of this that aligns to not only their education as potential future musicians, but also to just their, these young people's human development to be good cultural citizens in the world. Yeah, it's dignified, right? Like you're not just putting um, the garage band out for this. And you're not just using the marimba, but in fact, you're you're bringing out the big guns. And I and I wonder um, how much of that we see in other uh, rock bands giving back to communities, right? Like you're actually opening up the doors to the secret magic space that you only see in movies, or perhaps if you have a, a buddy who um, who jams can allow you into their little studio, right? But they're opening other studios for the world. And it's really encouraging to know that we're not just gonna uh, phone it in, but in fact, we're gonna give it our all. Uh, we did something pretty similar to this uh, in the city of Seattle um, with our Creative Advantage Initiative, our, our really big public-private collective impact model to, to make sure every young person has accessible arts education that's also equitable. We put on these regional arts festivals that the Paul G. Allen Family Foundation helped fund, and like we didn't know we were going to have to make them uh, virtual, which of course everybody had to do at some point. But um, the fact that uh, we were lucky enough to have these brilliant folks running the event who somehow had had video audio training and knew what to do and could coach young people in, in, in hosting an event and then redubbing their voices and then 
you know, making the um, scrubbing the audio later to make sure everybody's voices shined in their home video recordings like that is sacred work. That is treating young people as though they were regular people and mattered as much as regular people. And that this art that young people makes is no different than the art you see from museums. It's no different than the art you see um, in, in stadiums or the Staples Center where the Clippers play. Everything that you said so resonates with me. And I'll just share a little bit of an experience totally outside the realm of music making with Distant Cousins. But at Creative Generation, we have a commitment to almost demystifying um, the documentation and sharing of knowledge and to huh. lowering those barriers of knowledge production, right? So much of what we deal with in particularly the education spaces or within you know, academia is these barriers, these significant barriers that you must have a PhD and write in a certain way and follow certain procedures over an extended period of time to share knowledge. And what we know is that the lived experiences of young people, the artistic creations of, of youth, the magic that happens in these intergenerational collaborations that apply, mm -hmm. you know, creativity and arts and cultural consciousness in order to solve a really complex global challenge on a local scale, right? That is knowledge that must be shared and that can inspire future action and can enable people to carry on with their own work in their own communities, learning from a peer halfway across the world. And, and so everything that you're saying just speaks to this idea of how we enable disruptions to these very strict systems that end up governing our work, right? You know, you do these, these festivals and because mm -hmm. it has to do with arts funding or has to do with education in schools, you know, there are strictures that are put on and the reality is is we have to figure out how to navigate that how to bridge that how to hold those tensions and i think the the both disruptive work and the commitment from distant cousins to their projects with youth is really noble and something that we should all learn a little bit from and it helps that you are able to compensate the artists accordingly right like I, we didn't talk about this in the in the conversation, but I have no doubt that Distant Cousins um, gets what they would have gotten for a gig in working with uh, these schools uh, in these residencies. And because of that, they're able to give it that same amount of attention, the same amount of prep work and practice. We have to really pay our artists to make sure that they are uh, thriving so that they can help the young people they serve thrive. I agree. And I don't think there's anything more that needs to be said on that point. I, <laughs> I do want to just go back, though. You you used a metaphor earlier. You said that it allows them to open the doors to places. And that actually reminded me of my favorite one of their collaborations with young people, which was the one that occurred at the, the Staples Center. And we'll definitely drop the link um, in the show notes to this video. They created a, a little video documentary that's about five minutes long that shows the process of working with young Muslim students and young Jewish students to create a song together um, about sort of unity and healing wounds and, and everything that we said at the very top of this, um, this episode. And it, to me, it's one of the most inspiring examples of, of what making music together can do and how when young people have cultivated their creativity in such a way to apply it, that we are really creating the next generation of civically engaged citizens that not only think critically about all sorts of complex issues happening 
in their lives and their communities and around the world, but also to overcome the challenges of, of our past and to bring communities together and to heal together. And, and I think there's nothing more important right now in the world coming out of a global pandemic, coming out of extreme violence, yeah. to, to act as a path forward for young people into the next chapter of their lives. I completely agree. I mean, watch out for like at least two or three of those young people from that Clippers <laughs> performance because they will go on to to be those rock stars that you see on their own on those stages. Not only that, but all of those young people involved now get to see their peers of a different faith um, in in well, not only positive eyes, but actually like collaborative, trusting, um, values based uh, uh, perspectives. And the fact that anything is now possible, right? Like you kind of just did this one hour in the classroom, didn't know what was going to happen. It became catchy and a good time. And somebody invited you to do the same thing in the Clippers game. Um, those actions are pretty normal, but like zoom out a little bit. You see that that's really extraordinary that somebody wants to hear your voice in this large um, way. And, and what, tens of thousands of people um, were witness to that uh, at that, that, that Staples Center game. You know, I think there's no better way to wrap up our conversation as we come to a close today than with that music. So I think to play us out of this episode, we'll turn it back over to Distant Cousins and the young people that they work with to share a little bit of that song to bring us to a close. So before we do that, we'll wish all of our listeners a, a fond farewell and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks y'all. enjoyed today's episode of Why Change, the podcast for a creative generation. If you would like to support this podcast aimed at amplifying the voices of creative changemakers around the world, please consider donating through the link located in the episode's show notes. These show notes contain all sources discussed in the episode. Be sure to follow, like, subscribe, and share the Why Change podcast to make sure you and your networks get episodes delivered directly to you and that you don't miss any stories of creative work happening around the world. If you haven't already, 
be sure to follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Also, we'd love to hear from you. You can write to us at info at creative-generation.org. We would love to hear your ideas, the topics you want to learn about, and why change matters to you. Our show is produced and edited by Daniel Stanley. Our music is by Distant Cousins. A special thanks to our contributors, co-hosts, and the team at Creative Generation for their support. Wow.